O'Brien from Red Bank, and you are listening to Godless Heathen. Oh, you never saw been in trouble with the, with the law since the day they was the day they was born. Hey, this is Dr. Vincent West, medical doctor, and I have a very special guest today. Uh, with me is uh, Brian from Red Fang, and we're going to be talking about their new album, Arrows, which drops this Friday, June 4th, from Relapse Records. How are you, sir? Ah, great. How are you? I am hanging in there. Uh, just another day in Florida and just doing my thing. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. Uh, so let's talk Arrows. Uh, new album. And uh, I guess to jump right into this, we'll uh, start with the opening track, uh, Take It Back. What can you tell us about that track? Uh, that was a, uh, that song was originally something that I uh, came up with uh, one afternoon. I guess I was in a pretty sour mood, and I, uh, you know, just basically scaring my neighbors, yelling in the basement. And uh, anyway, I, I, it was really early on in um, in my uh, recording development. Anyway, so I was using like the internal speaker on the laptop and. Uh, uh, I made a bass. I basically just played a guitar line uh, on, uh, and then just pitched it down a whole octave, so it just sounded real trashy. And uh, just the ambient uh, reverb in the basement made you know made it kind of uh, sort of you know had a sort of horror movie kind of vibe to it. So um, anyway, I, I had that floating around, and I didn't really ever expect anyone to care about it but me. But uh, we got into the studio and. Um, it was floated. I think maybe Aaron was like, "We could, we could try to record something, you know, a version of that in the studio." And I said, "Oh, you know, I'm game for that." Anyway, uh, Funk really, um, really ran with it, and and it became a lot. Uh, uh, so we were, so we were in the studio, and someone suggested that uh, um, maybe we could record uh, a studio version of that, and uh, I was game. So. Um, uh, I'm, I'm real happy with the results. I think that, uh, you know, it's even, uh, creepier, uh, than the original. And, uh, and anyway, I hope it's not too scary for people and they don't, uh, turn the record off before they get to the rest of the songs. <laughs> I think it's cool. Um, <laughs> I like the track myself. I think it's a great way to start oh. the album off. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, and track two, Unreal Estate. Uh, yeah, I think I, that opening, uh, that, the opening of the song, <coughs> the drums were, um, I think the most notable moment on the record where your the drums were captured in a, in a 12 foot deep swimming pool. Um, and you can hear they're you know, they're, they've been sort of reduced, um, sonically so that when the song actually kicks in, um, it has more oomph, but, uh, you can just hear how massive the, the, uh, the room sound is, I think those were just area mics in a, a huge indoor pool. Um, and then that riff, that opening riff is, I'm, I really like it. It's, it's a kind of a, uh, brain teaser, um, sort of odd. And I think, and I, and I like that it sort of puts you off kilter. If you weren't already from the first record, first song, then you, well, you're still 
feeling queasy. So they're you know, right. But uh, anyway, I, I I think it's a pretty pretty interesting song, uh, and that's you know Aaron's. You know, he he really worked a lot on the guitar arrangement for uh, the you know the the second half of the song, and I and I think it turned out really cool. It's it's nice and layered. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, I listen to Ural's records on headphones. I really like the sonic uh, thing that I get from the records when I listen to them on headphones. You hear a lot of different stuff going on. So um, yeah, man, that's that's how we like for people to listen to it. Is you know. Real loud, a little high, and on headphones. Oh yeah, man, and it's uh, uh, it's it's great, and to I, I enjoy listening. And Ural's records are like I don't I like certain tracks from certain bands, but I've always thought Red Fang Records when I put them, I like to just listen to the whole thing as just one composition too. I don't know if that's how it's intended, but that's how I do it. But yeah, absolutely. I mean this this record uh, probably more so than some of our previous records. Um, you know, I think that the that the, you know, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of carryover in um, ambience uh, from one song to the next, and so I think it really it it really tells a nice story. And I think that if you're willing to you know commit forty some minutes to it, I think it's um, I think it's the most satisfying way to listen to the record. I mean, that's not you know how people generally consume music. I understand that, and I think the songs stand on their own. But uh, as a as a continuous experience i think that's the best way i mean you know i but i realize that's not realistic for a lot of people busy life but uh hey man take a sunday and uh and yeah yeah i mean it's it's like i don't watch just you know like i was watching raiders of the lost ark the other night i don't watch just 30 minutes of it and turn it off <laughs> i don't you know right you just wait for the for the for the uh, huge aztec bowling ball scene and they say all right i'm done right <laughs> Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Listen, our, our album is not a is not a, a a pornography clip. Come on, guys. There's a there's a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> and tell us about track three, the title track, Arrows. Uh, that that is another song that Aaron um, brought to practice, and um, you know we all uh, put in our you know we all took our hits on it and. Um, but I think it's a real interesting song. I, you know, when he brought it in, I was like, "Man, this is this is mighty uh, technical for kind of what you know uh, we're I'm used to in the band." But I, but that's one thing I really enjoy about and why I'm happy to still be in the band all, all these times is I get curveballs from people, and uh, you know, getting outside of my comfort zone is uh, where I'm comfortable. So, right. Um, anyway, just just learning the you know the the ins and outs of that one was. Um, was uh, challenging to me in a in a great way. I love it, ex- and then it expands my vocabulary of, of um, riffs and way- and places to go songwriting wise. Nice, nice. It, no, it is another track. I, I like that one. It just keeps the flow of the record. And uh, again, on headphones, here's some different kind of stuff going around, different arrangements. I'll, uh, it's a really cool track. Thank you. SC, and then track four, my disaster. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was that song. We just kind of blasted out, and I'm I'm really happy with it. I, I think that it's um, probably one of the more um, energetic uh, songs on the record, and um, and it came together really quickly. Uh, it started with the bass line, and I think we learned. You know, it was the end of a practice, maybe a 
couple of weeks before we went into the studio, and so we all just sort of, you know, played the root notes on the on the on the bass line, and uh, um, and I would say from probably the first time hearing the bass line until we were finishing the vocals and overdubs on it, it probably took forty five minutes, all told. You know, right. and I think that uh, you know that doesn't happen to us very often. We're not a very off-the-cuff band, but uh, I'm really happy when that does happen because you know, uh, rolling yourself over the coals or a song and just you know, really worrying about you know what a passing note's going to be or this or that. So, you know, sometimes can take the take the uh, you know intention out of it or or just make it sound flat-footed. Um, so. Uh, once in a blue moon, we come up with a jam that I'm I'm real happy with, and we didn't have to sweat over it. So, um, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, that people dig that one too. Oh yeah, I mean, that's a I like that track a lot. It's again keeping the flow of the record, fun one. Um, and then track five, uh, too high. Uh, too high. Uh, yeah, I thought that was that was essentially two. That was really one one idea that got ex- kind of expanded into two the um, the guitar uh, lead at the beginning um, you know sort of we we were doing that on top of the, the main riff and um, instead of tr- you know uh, you know picking one or the other or you know seeing where you know like if we could do some kind of drastic key change or something uh we just kind of saw that as as like a part A and a part A two, but I, and and sometimes you worry, oh well, you know, it's not moving enough, so it's not going to be interesting. But uh, I think that those are uh, they they get along real well together because they are essentially two versions of the same thing. And uh, anyway, I, I really like um, how I think emotionally the impact hat you know it, is is nice from verse to chorus, even though really. Uh, melodically, it doesn't change a whole lot. You're <clears throat> kind of hanging out in the same spot, right. just kind of thinking something new in the same place. I guess. Again, excellent track. Uh, let's see, uh, track six, Anodyne. Anodyne. Uh, yeah, that was uh, something that Aaron and I were working on, and I just liked this. Uh, the the baseline has this. You know, it cycles through. Uh, it's it's sort of it's sort of an odd. I mean, the thing still has a normal pulse, but the way the the, the, the notes run through is is sort of a an odd loop. Anyway, uh, I always got a kick out of that, and I think I just heard a demo, and I was like, man, you know, that's. I think it's a really interesting sort of mood and a, and, and something to work on. But, uh, but I was like, but I really want this thing to, you know, ramp up and get to the point. So, um, I, you know, I was messing around with different ideas for courses and I came up with just bash the shit out of a, you know, a B chord or whatever. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, they're like, well, what else should we do? It's like nothing. Just make it sound like a, gar- you know, a, a garbage truck driving over a cliff. That's what I want it to sound like. It's these, this power chord meeting a, a, a horrible car accident and that's what I want the chorus to be like and uh, um, it took a little bit of doing for me to say no there's no structure it's just garbage and, uh, and I think that we achieved that yeah it's 
It's a, it's another one. I think that one's another fun listen. Again, the whole record, but just that one sonically on the headphones was fun. <laughs> and in the car, I've heard people describe people have described that to me as an old school Red Fang song. I'm like, really? That doesn't sound at all old school to me. But uh, but I guess I guess the the, the intention was there, and it's and it's kind of minimalistic the way some of our earlier songs are. So I guess I can see that, but. Right. And it was like, well, that's just that first bass line is so weird. How, that doesn't. We didn't. We don't really do weird that often. But maybe it doesn't sound as weird to other people as it does to me. So right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Track seven. Interop mod. Uh, just this. Uh, Chris Funk on, uh, and I believe that's either the name of the synth or the name of the setting on the synth that he used, and. Uh, so it's a you know it's kind of on the nose, but that's where that title came from. And yeah, that's just funk freaking out, man. And uh, you know, I, I really enjoy you know, really we're enjoying that. And we're like, John, you should you should put a beat on that. And I think he was a little bit like hands up, like what do you what do you mean? I'm like, no, no, you know, let's just just put on a beat. And we put him back in the ba- in the in the pool. And I thought he really knocked it out of the park. I think it's it's real spooky, and um, that's one of those segues. That uh, if I had my way, there'd be a you know a six minute version of that. Oh, okay. But, uh, but no, so so you know if you really, if you want a six minute version, you just have to put it on loop. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's another one. I like that song a whole lot. Uh, let's see, uh, track eight, Fonzie scheme. Uh, yeah, that that was an interesting one. We uh, we're just sort of dabbling in in drop tuning, and I've. I've I believe Eric's bass was tuned down. Uh, I guess that's five full step down to A, um, which is kind of you know makes kind of spaghetti noodles out of your strings. Um, kind of makes it more uh, exciting. And then you know just that sort of involuntary bowel movement thing that you know that has been rumored to happen with those low tunings. <laughs> um, I, I I didn't tune. I, I just tuned standard for that song. But uh, anyway, I think that it's. <clears throat> You know, I'm a big fan of you know Yob and and Melvin's, sure. and uh, and I re- and I really like the you know the heavy ponderousness of it, um, and it was cool you know uh, that uh, you know that we were able to have st- uh, string section. The, uh, a couple of ladies from the Portland Cello Project came down and and um, and did you know wrote. Uh, an arrangement for it and that that was pretty exciting uh to have strings you know um i think that it really works in the song and uh i I was a little afraid when they came in you know they were you know getting their bows out i'm like oh no are we jumping the shark is this our is this our you know sweet child of mine or something like that but uh (laughs) but no but i don't think it came off like that at all i think it worked exactly how i had hoped it's uh you know, it just it just adds to the to the depth and drama. Yeah, it's a I I like the so with the string arrangements. Was that something that you had composed as well to have them do that, or did they just kind of wing that? No, or? they they composed it, um, and then they they were um, nice enough to let us kind of mess with it. You know, I'm like I don't know at all how to play your instrument but can i tell you how to do it <laughs> you know um we didn't we didn't really mess with a whole lot but they they really did have uh, a pretty expansive uh, uh arrangement worked out for it and then we 
we sort of had to back it off because you know we're a four-person band, and 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 to some degree, you want the song to reflect, you know, something you can do live and that, and not have it depend so much on that. So we kind of had we sort of backed off on some of the stuff they did, and hopefully, you know, I think we found the best parts, um, and you know that they come in and out is 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 surprising and and fun. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It was definitely, I wasn't expecting that, especially with the Fonzie scheme time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, Fonzie scheme, because it sounds like Ponzi scheme, and it's in the key of A. Exactly. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, that's one, of those, that's one of those working titles that's just too funny. You're like, well, I can't really get rid of that. <laughs> it's great. Uh, let's see, track nine, Days Collide. Uh, Days Collide, I came up with the the guitar line, and I think that we were just sort of messing around, and um, you know, more late, more and more lately, we just sort of record things as we have a rehearsal, just in case something falls out that we all sort of just don't really notice, just sort of do, and uh, and I think that was one of those moments where it was maybe we were something doing something um, in in the midst of writing some other song or something, but. Uh, Anyway, I just had, there was a kind of a dusty demo of that, just that opening guitar line and drums, and uh, I, so I started working on it, you know, um, with with vocals, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I think I have this, doing something that I like, um, and uh, brought it back to the band, it's like, remember this? And probably no one did, but uh, but I was like, well, uh, here's this idea, and um and I, but I didn't know where else it would go. But uh, but that's the that's the awesome thing about being a band is that uh, you know I brought that sort of lilting little guitar thing back in with the vocal line, and, and then we really ramped it up. So you know we're, we red fangified it. You know there's and I think huh. the the rocking the rocking parts in the in the middle uh, really work, and I and I like the arc of it. You know and and it's you know sort of different for us. Um, which was also exciting because, um, you know, you don't want to get stagnant. You don't want to be like, well, that's, you know, that doesn't fall within our parameters. We really try not to have that be an idea that uh, gets air in our camp. Right. And it looks like it was the longest track on the album, too. Ah, well, yeah. I think that, yeah, the the end is um, is pretty epic, and we're like, gosh, we cut that down, and I think... We were just him and hawing. It's like you know, if we're gonna freaking do this, let's freaking do it. You know what I mean? It's like don't apologize for your music. You know what I mean? If sure. Somebody doesn't. Somebody, if somebody doesn't get it, they can skip it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I, but I think, but I think that that um, that song needed that room, and uh, and I'm happy with how it came out. Oh, it's great. It's you know, it's honestly, I think it's my favorite track on the record. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's I. I like that one. I don't know. That one kind of caught me off guard, especially again that one. And I've said this the whole interview. It sounds d- cliche at this point, but the headphones thing with it, man. I'm telling you, I had a few beers and listened to it. I, that one, I don't know. I, listen, I like that one. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a cool mood. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, and I think that was one of my first forays, uh, at least with Red Fang, in, in actually singing, quote unquote, <laughs> instead of you know. Uh, uh, barking, which is kind of more what I do. Right, right. It's a great track, really great track. Uh, let's see, uh, track ten, rabbits and hive. Uh, that's a guitar 
brought to practice, and I think that you know, I think we drove that around the block probably, uh, you know, over probably for well over a year, where it was just like that's a cool thing. And so, if we were in songwriting mode, and um, there, you know, we were work, we'd get to a stopping point with one thing, be like, what's that? What's that one thing? And so we just kept having David remind us what it was, and I was like, God, that's such an energetic guitar part. I I love it. Um, but it did. It took a long time for us to to hear something in it, um, and I think Aaron, you know, finally uh, Frankenstein that with another riff of David's that was not normally, you know, was not associated with it up until that, and uh, and I and the juxtaposition between the super kind of uh, post punk, you know, action of the of the first part and sure. sort of re- retarded heaviness of the, of the chorus. I think it's a it's a cool. It's a cool, uh, you know, uh, compliment to each other. And I also like how simplistic that song is. It, you know, it's kind of a hit it and quit it kind of thing. We're not, you know, ruminating on some kind of heavy, you know, some kind of concept. We're like, nope, it's, you know, bam, bam, bam. Right. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, track 11, Why? Uh, yeah, Why was a song that Aaron wrote. I think I, I I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say it was it, nearly you know 25 30 years ago he he had that song and then um, we were we were invited to do a, a, a song for a, they were trying to do a Fraggle Rock reboot the the Jim Henson uh, yes HBO program yes anyway so they were they were getting bands to do fraggle rock covers and we thought well that's fucking insane but then we thought well how could we not do that but uh um we thought that would that song worked great for it but um uh, so we delivered that cover and it was also called why um you can find that out in the world but uh but then that project kind of fizzled out i mean it exists but i don't think you know they, they were talking about making a movie and all this stuff and it just and i think that the the energy kind of fell um for that project for whatever reason so okay anyway we thought i think i think we all agreed that song was too cool to just let languish in some kind of dusty corner of the internet so um so aaron took it home and revamped it again and uh and you know put his own put his own intention and words into it and uh anyway so that's that's, it was a long journey for that for that song to finally make it to the record but uh but i'm i'm really glad it did it's you know i think it's a it's a it's a great example of you know of the variety on the record. I think that you know we can go from something like the opening track, which is you know I mean depending on who we are, I mean barely listenable, right? <laughs> uh, to something that's that's very um, very listenable, like uh, why? So um, keeps you on your toes. I think absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's see, track twelve, Doctor Al. Uh, yeah, that's a. That, that, I think that I originally I I came up with that riff because Aaron's uh, wife she's in a band she plays drums in a band called Helms Lee, okay. and uh, he was playing me some demos of theirs for their for they were working on their new record and they did they had a had a part in there and the time uh, basically the the way the beats were broken up was. Three two two three, and uh, that's just not how my brain works. I mean, if I'm going to do something in 
five, it's almost always three three two two two. Um, and honestly, I, I think that it, it ultimately kind of proved to be too challenging um, but, uh, for me to, to do that and sing uh, and feel the pulse because it is so awkward for me. But uh, within that song, I believe that the instrumental interludes or the choruses, I think Aaron um, uh, goes between a, a three three two two times time scheme and a three two two three, which is real subtle but uh but that's the kind of crap that you can really enjoy if you're in a band hopefully it's a listener too <laughs> oh it is that one that one's i like that song it's 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 and, fun and, and the outro to that song i i'm real excited it happened because basically you know what we had that outro which is in sort of uh you know the guitar line in the outro there is is in nine and then I can't remember. I think it's in maybe Aaron's bass line is in is in four. So, and uh, we were trying, you know, developing this outro, and he started playing the straight his, his quote unquote straight bass line under it, and um, <clears throat> you know, it sounded really chaotic. But I was really um, sort of enamored with that. Uh, and then there was some discussion like, will this make any sense to anyone what we're doing here? But, uh, but yes, of course people are not dumb, you know? And I think, I think that it's like, it's creepy that how, how it shifts, you know? So anyway, I think, uh, especially now that we're working that song up to play live, it's one of my, uh, more, um, favorite songs to play because there's, we're basically have, arrived at a spot where we can improvise on it so sure um we don't have a lot of that in our live sets so when we are like all right let's just do it until we feel like you know we're all sort of collectively done and then we'll get eye contact and finish the thing and uh and i love that that's a that's a, a um, musical uh skill that um that you know we don't really utilize that much but we've been in a band you know for 15 years so <clears throat> Um, you know, you might as well if you know pretty much what the what everybody's going to do before they do it anyway. You might as well enjoy that, and um, and you know that way, night after night, you don't know exactly what to expect from the end of that song. So I'm real happy about that aspect too. That's awesome. Uh, and let's see, this has got to be my favorite title on that whole album, uh, "Funeral Coach," the track thirteen. <laughs> uh, yeah, Aaron came up with that. Uh, title I think he was driving um, he commutes from Tacoma to Portland now um, he splits his time up up his wife had, he and his wife have a house up in Tacoma um, where she's based out of and then he has an apartment down here so anyway I think he was on his way down to practice on the five corridor and I saw what essentially is a hearse and, it, and on the back it said funeral coach and the first place he his thought was was you know a guy with the headset going more tears you know, right? No, no one's gonna believe, <laughs> no one's gonna believe anyone cared about this guy. You, what are you wearing red for? You know what I mean? Like, right? Coach. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I mean, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it is. But uh, yeah, that and that song. Um, uh, it, it basically the the genesis of that was the opening, uh, the opening part. It was basically uh, a guitar thing that I, I came up with uh, I mean we played a version of it at South by Southwest in um, like 
like 2007 and it existed before that so you know so that's that riff is real real old but it was one of those riffs that was odd enough that it was really hard to pair with anything so we kept you know putting it into things because it's real it's a it's i really like the riff but it just never seemed to find its home until um until that song and i think that uh you know it's got the the time signature is odd and that one as well and then that basically we got to use that as a setup the you know the pulse of the song as you know the 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 kind of the outline of the pulse and then aaron carried it with a more stripped down version which still has you know the hits on the you know sort of odd spots within like i don't know what the key signature or the time signature is maybe 11 or something but uh anyway it's i think it's it's i'm real happy with that song because it's because it's it's fucked up but uh it doesn't doesn't fuck you up You, you can rock out to it i think it's an interesting way to end the record too um it's all the songs um and I was going to ask you about that. As far as arranging where everything goes, you guys did an incredible job with it on this record. Well, thank you. I, I'm really terrible at sequence. I think it's really important, but I sort of, I'm like a deer in the headlights when it comes to that. But uh, I think Aaron and, um, and David kind of were, you know, came up with multiple sequences. Um, and I think that... Uh, Tell us a little bit about the recording process for the record, too. Uh, recorded with Chris Funk here at um, a studio he's uh, curating. At the, it's called Hapling Studios, uh-huh. and uh, uh, it's it's a really um, extravagant sort of complex. It's got like a mini golf course. It's got an indoor swimming pool, wow. uh, skate pool. Like I said, you know that's where we put the drums for some of the tracks, and it's got a slide on the third story roof and uh it's got accommodations for like two bands to stay there if they're if someone's recording from out of town um it's just it's incredible creative complex uh and um and so it was just it's exciting to you know to be able to utilize all all of the all the bells and whistles that it had and um and it was great to work with chris Funk again uh he uh produced uh, Murder of the Mountains and Whales and Leeches. And, oh wow! Uh, I, you know, he's real easy to get along with, and he really, I think, understands where we're coming from. Uh, you know, he's he's known for uh, playing in the Decemberists, so it seems like an odd pairing, and it did seem like an odd pairing all those years ago when we first approached us. But uh, he's very knowledgeable about uh, you know bands that we're into, you know, and, and he's a really is a shredder. It's kind of it's funny that he he's in this sort of you know sea shanty sad uh you know uh alternative band um and yet he can 
outplay me, you know, probably. <laughs> play circles around me on guitar. I'm like, all right, all right, put it away. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then what about the cover art for the new album? Uh, you know, uh, basically, it's Ori Landau has been has done all of our album covers that we've um, for albums we've done for Relapse, right. and uh, he's the and he's the the, the house uh, uh, art director at Relapse. Uh huh. So, um, anyway, we've just really hit it off with him over the years. He's really laid back, and and basically what we do is we just give him really really uh, wide. Per- parameters of kind of what we're thinking and and really with only ghosts and this one i think one of the primary um goals that we were looking for was something that you know grabs you from a from a distance you know we want to be able to someone look at a you know a, a wall of flyers and from you know 20 yards away you can you can you know that that's you know uh that's arrows because of because it's you know striking um, right it's, you don't have to, you know, get the magnifying glass out to, to, you know, get the nuance. It's like a punch you in the face kind of uh, aesthetic. And I and I think he did awesome. He, there's so much <clears throat> companion art for it. Um, and I think a lot of them would have made great album covers. Uh, there's, a, there's a pack of cigarettes uh, <laughs> that says arrows on it with palm trees growing out of it. There's just all kinds of weird stuff and um, it's anyway, awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to kind of kind of use some of that stuff. There's a something called a psychic tiger, which is another element of the art uh, that John put on his kick drum, and that looks really cool. Uh, we're about to make some fancy guitar picks for ourselves, and uh, we'll probably be utilizing some of the other artwork from it too. I think it really lends itself to that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, I don't know if all of our t-shirts are going to be nuclear green, but uh, <clears throat> if if it they are uh at least no one's gonna get hit by a car <laughs> and one other thing i wanted to ask you before i let you go are, are are you are you a horror fan at all like growing up as a kid or you like horror movies oh yeah yeah i mean not not as much as an adult um as i when i was a kid i loved them um i i remember going to see i think it was freddy krueger three maybe the or the fourth Maybe it was Dream Warriors. Anyway, Nightmare Three. Yeah, and I we I we we covered ourselves in uh, in uh, fake blood and went to the movie theater as as bloody victims and sat in the theater covered in blood. Oh, we, that's awesome! We, <laughs> yeah, I wish the movie were better. But anyway, yeah, uh, but yeah, I like horror movies. I'm nowadays I'm a little squeamish. I'm like, man, you know, someone's like, hey, let's watch that new Saw movie. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have. A, I don't have time in the day for that kind of that kind of Yeah, it's a, it's a little much where everything's went. I mean, it's kind of yeah. But I don't know. My favorite movie you know, still. I think that. honestly, there's a do what now? Sorry, just I'm just I think the older the, you get closer to your own mortality, and then suddenly someone you know getting their head squished in a vice starts seeming possible. You're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. The older stuff is the only stuff I really. I watch some newer stuff, but I'm kind of stuck in the past. I watch a lot of older stuff, but. Um, I just watched that new Army, Army of the Dead. I thought that was a, a great um, addition to the to the Raimi uh, uh, Living Dead series. Uh, I think they really nailed it as far as like you know the the campy goofiness of it and uh, and 
you know, the, the high gore. Um, so that, I guess that was the last horror movie I watched. That was probably last week, and I thought that was um, real fun. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, maybe you've got a movie with Bruce Campbell in the in the making. He's the funeral coach. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic. I would I would love nothing better. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Do you have his cell number? I'll just text him. <laughs> I wish. That'd be great. I'll tell you a funny story real quick about him. I was supposed to have went with my co-host. We were going to drive from Florida to Kentucky. He was doing some kind of like one-off thing. And we didn't end up going because there was like, this is a few years back. There was an eclipse that day and traffic was so bad like everywhere we went because of this eclipse. And I guess he ended up canceling or something. So I guess it wasn't meant to be. No Bruce Campbell for me, but... Yeah, well, at least you got to get stuck in a traffic jam during an eclipse. Yeah, something can't say that every day, so that was fun. But no, that's a that's it sounds kind of unpleasant, but uh, but you know you remember it exactly. Hey guys, uh, Arrows comes out from Red Fang this Friday. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate you. Right on, Vincent. Nice talking to you. Awesome, man. You take care of yourself. Bye.